What's up, friends? It's E, and welcome to a new episode of Midweek Rise Up. I pray that you're seeing God move and work in your life as you give gratitude and praise for the day that you're in. And I'm noticing a very interesting trend in the country right now, and it's something I think we all need to address. So let's take a minute to take a deep breath, put the to-do list aside, take a break from those crazy emails, and let's unpack the word for this week together as we jump into the good news. The word for this week is anger. I tell you what, this emotion is more prevalent now than I feel like ever before. Anger, rage, quick tempers, no matter what store you walk into, if you're wearing a mask, not wearing a mask, walking the wrong direction down the grocery aisle, the tension is absolutely palpable. Even though you can't see their whole face, you can just see their eyes and you can see their body language. And what you believe is right, someone else might believe is wrong. And it's just this major tug of war with reality. And since March, I got to tell you, I've been able to maintain a pristine record of not getting into an argument with someone over masks or keeping the six feet of distance until today at Safeway. So I'm just going to explain what happened and we'll go from there. So I was walking up to check out at the grocery store, put my groceries on the belt, and the lady in front of me with her mask and her gloves, she's about to pay. She stops and she stares at me. And then I'm staring at her. And then she awkwardly yells, get back, you're not six feet back. And I look down and you know how you have that little circle or square that you're supposed to stand in? I look down and my toe is literally on the circumference of the circle. It's not like I'm in between the two circles and I'm two feet away from her, mouth breathing on her through my mask. I'm literally on my circle with my toe on my shoe right on the edge. So I pulled my foot back and she immediately followed up with, I'm old and you're young and I'm more susceptible. And I could feel my fight or flight kick in. And I said, wow, I'm really sorry. You seem extremely angry right now. And she was like, well, my daughter works in healthcare, so I'm really susceptible. And I said, I understand. My parents are over the age of 70 and we all have medical conditions. But she was like, and that doesn't negate the fact that I'm more susceptible than you and blah, blah, blah. And I literally had to tell myself, Erica, you got to rule your spirit right now. You have to rule it. And all I could really muster up because I was just, I I was so taken back by her anger And it was so early in the morning and all I really wanted to do was just check out with my protein bar and my bottle of water and get out of the grocery store. And all I literally said was, you know what, I'm I'm not going to have a competition with you as to who is more exposed or more susceptible. I'm just not. And I just told her again, I was like, I can tell that you're very angry right now and you're taking it out on me. So I'm going to be praying for you. And that's it. That's all I said. I just, I completely disengaged. And then she tried to say something else. I was like, ma'am, I'm, I'm serious. I'm just going to be praying for you. I, I really do not want to engage. And so she walked away. I finished checking out. And as I'm leaving and I put my cart away, I'm walking back to the car. And of course she finds me in the parking lot. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we already had this conversation. I don't want to have this conversation again. And as I was walking back to the car, she pulled up alongside me and she was like, look, I just want to apologize. I'm sorry that I 
said the things I said. She's like, I'm just really frustrated. And I said, look, I really meant what I said in the grocery store when I said I'm praying for you. And and I was like, there's so much going on right now in this country and the tension is insane and everyone is upset. And she was just completely disarmed and she was just like, I'm, I'm really sorry, just be well and stay well. And she drove away. And as I got back into the car, it just hit me, especially in times like these, how many of these interactions happen on a daily basis? I have no doubt you on the other end of listening to this podcast have somehow in some way, whether it's you or a family friend, has gotten to the same conversation, whether you are on my side or her side. But how many conversations actually end like this where it's calmer in the end than it was in the beginning? Because we're so surrounded by anger. And I think an appropriate question is to ask, how can we diffuse that rather than enhance it? And as Christians, are we allowed to be angry? Is it okay to be angry? And these questions just flooded me as I drove home from the grocery store in silence. Because anger is a very, very dangerous emotion. It causes people to do things they wouldn't normally do. And you can also tell a lot about a person with what angers them and what does not anger them. And psychologically, there's a lot of components about anger when it's not controlled or resolved. Because usually when you're angry, it has to consume a target. And if that's not someone or something else that anger turns inward and ends up hurting you more than you would actually think. But going back to my grocery store experience, when I was feeling my blood boiling and my adrenaline going and my fight or flight mode kick in, I realized that I had a pause moment, as I mentioned above, that before and after moment of engagement. And I had to stop and think about where in scripture there was a moment that was similar. And I found it in Genesis chapter four, where God asked Cain, why are you angry? And it's within that question where you have the choice to continue further with anger or rule your spirit. And here's what I'm talking about. To give you some background, in Genesis chapter 4, Eve gave birth to Cain and later to Abel. And in verse 2, it continues that Abel kept the flocks and Cain worked the soil. And in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. And the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. And then we know the rest of the story where Cain obviously didn't get rule over his anger and he killed his brother Abel. But this is my point. God gave Cain a moment to change his emotional state of anger. God gave him a chance, literally by asking in the middle of his anger, why are you angry? And this question was a moment to take a pause, to check the interior, to check his heart. Because there are two types of worshipers, the Cains and the Abels. And I'm not meaning murderers. I'm saying that there are the proud who attempt to please God in ways that they believe he wants to be pleased rather than a believer filled with humility that chooses to draw close to God in a way that God has revealed. And God sees all of our sinful passions. And the fact of the matter is God literally tried to reason with Cain. That's why he asked him that question. And kind of another thought-provoking and powerful realization off of that is through the reasoning and the question God asks, many theologians believe that it was God's way of indicating mercy. But getting back to the question, is it okay to be angry? And if we are angry, how do we know if it's the right thing to be angry about? In short, yes, sometimes the appropriate response 
is anger. But we need to know how and when to be angry, in parentheses, in a godly way. Because there are two types of anger. There is unrighteous anger, and there is righteous anger. And there are things that should anger us, but there are also things that should not. And you have the choice through your anger to either diffuse, enhance, or completely avoid a situation. And if you are angry, will your anger be used to harm or restore? And here's how you know the difference, though, if your anger is unrighteous or righteous. I'll first start with unrighteous anger. Let me ask you this. Are you able to have disappointment without anger? Because unrighteous anger really reveals to us the condition of our own hearts. It's sinful anger. It also reveals the spiritual capacity that dwells within someone and the maturity of a person with what and how they handle not getting what they want or things not going their desired way. So going back to the scripture in Genesis 4, God says, be careful because sin crouches at the door. Cain literally ignored the voice of God and God gave him that pause moment. Again, to see if he saw what God saw in him and saw in his heart. So if you find yourself angry, have a moment of internal auditing of your heart. Because in Psalm 4-4, it says, Be angry, yet do not sin. On your bed, meditate in your heart and be still. Because your unrighteous anger also shows who and what your idols are in contrast to God. And I have a whole episode on idols, but this highlights the pride we carry in our hearts. And that bleeds over into so many other aspects in life. Here's another example. Social media. I can't tell you how many passive-aggressive comments that I have read on social media on other people's posts or them posting something someone else said because people hide behind their phone or their computer saying things that they probably wouldn't normally say to someone's face and they're shaming them or they're harassing them. And it's just... It's sickening. There's something within us as as humans. I don't know what it is, but people enjoy watching someone else fall or miss an opportunity. And honestly, I believe that reveals such a major lust problem and battle that we have within society. And in James chapter 1, verse 19 and 20, it says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires, which segues me into righteous anger. So as Christians, we're allowed to get angry? In short, yes. And the things to be angry about are the exact things that God would be upset over. That's your standard. And Jesus is your barometer for that. And in the New Testament, there are two examples that I'm going to share of moments of righteous anger. One is where Jesus is cursing the fig tree. And the other is where Jesus is clearing the temple courts, both found in Mark chapter 11, starting in verse 12. The next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. So we have the fig tree example and the clearing of the temple courts. And so someone might say, well, maybe Jesus was just hungry and that's why he cursed the tree. So when I'm hangry, is that righteous anger? 
No, it's not. Don't miss this point. The cursing of the fig tree and the clearing of the temple courts are both very, very similar. I can't help but think of this analogy as I dig into this a little bit further. But you know how on Instagram people post images saying Instagram versus reality. So almost like perfection versus the complete opposite of that. Here is very similar. With regard to the fig tree, there's a lot of biblical symbolism to the fig tree. So I highly suggest if you have time or interest to dig into that. But during biblical times, and I guess even still today, it's it's very common knowledge that if you saw leaves on a fig tree, it usually meant that there was also supposed to be fruit unless the tree was barren. So although on the outside, the fig tree appeared alive and the time of gathering the figs off the tree was near, and because it had leaves on it, it was expected that there would also be fruit, even if there were buds not ripe or ready to be picked, but there would still be some form of fruit on there, but the tree was not producing any fruit. And why does that matter? Because in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, it says, preach the word and be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. And with the temple, although on the outside the temple made it look like it was a house of worship and looked like religious activity was going on, on the inside there was no real worship going on. They had the right words down, but their hearts were so far from God. And the Lord's anger was the only thing that spoke to the hearts of those that were supposed to be helping others within the church draw closer to him. With both of these examples, it's showing that you can be angry, but do not sin in your anger. Because our Lord's anger was controlled, without hatred, short-lived, and justified due to the obvious defiance of God. Jesus had his line in the sand. There were things that he would tolerate and things that he would not tolerate. Jesus does not tolerate unfruitfulness. And as a disciple, we are to be more than just faithful. We are to be fruitful. Jesus does not tolerate corruption, especially when it comes to the church, the temple. And that is even corruption with your own heart and your body as being a temple. Jesus does not tolerate the hypocrites and calls them out, especially those within the church that are not practicing what they preach and are leading those that God put under their care in a way that is not in alignment with divine scripture, especially those within the church that are not practicing what they preach and are leading those that God put under their care in a way that is not even in alignment with divine scripture. And a perfect example of that is in Matthew chapter 23, verse 12, if you want to look at that. Jesus does not tolerate self-righteousness and judgmentalism, those who don't see themselves as sinners and above everyone else. Jesus does not tolerate the abuse of God's children. And that's stated in Luke chapter 17, verse 12, where it says, it would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. Those are just a few things that Jesus does not tolerate. But you might be saying, but wait, aren't we supposed to turn the other cheek? Aren't we supposed to love our neighbor and forgive someone seven times 70? Yes. And we do serve a God that is loving and forgiving. But this same God is also sovereign and is a God of righteousness and justice. So remember, as it's written in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And if you are angry, here's some ways to diffuse anger or, I mean, at least control it if you feel like you're starting to be pushed over the edge, whether you're in a grocery store or a public setting or a private setting. First, acknowledge that you're hitting your breaking point. 
And this is really important. When you truly have internally audited yourself and your heart, you'll understand what that breaking point is and be strong enough to avoid going past it and know when to withdraw. Second, if someone has wronged you, forgive them and truly mean it. Don't just say it. And if you can't forgive them, don't push yourself. Pray on it and God will give you the strength to proceed. And really ask God to help heal you and help you overcome the deep boiling feelings of anger that are harbored in your heart. Just always speak the truth in love. Third, pray to God for forgiveness. Fourth, move forward. Do not cut open the scar tissue of a healed wound. Once you forgive the offense, leave it to rest and refuse to allow yourself to mentally go back to the place of that pain. And while you're at it, don't surround yourself with hot-tempered people. Those are the last people you need to be around right now, especially in the climate and day and age that we're in. Why spend your mental energy on something that is in the past? Something that you can't change or rewrite. While you're doing that and while you're being absorbed by that, you're completely missing out on something else that you should be focusing on. So renew your thoughts, renew your mind, and move forward. And finally, be grateful. Gratitude and thankfulness will diffuse anger in your heart. Remember, fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. And if you can't do any of that above, seek wise counsel. There's nothing wrong with that. Community is so important, and so is accountability. Just confide in someone that you can trust and express your anger to. Do not be ruled by your flesh. Walk in the spirit. Replace anger, rage, and wrath with love, patience, and gentleness. And instead of anger as being a motivator, use compassion or courage. They're just as powerful, if not more. And remind yourself that you are no longer your old self. You are living for him with the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. And just how it is written in Colossians chapter 3, verses 7 through 9, you used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices. So in closing, I'll leave you with this. It's a statement about what it means to sacrifice from a young African pastor, and it was found in his papers in Zimbabwe after he was martyred for his Christian faith. This is what he wrote. I'm a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of his, and I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm done and finished with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tamed visions, mundane talking, cheap living, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right, or first, or tops, or recognized, or praised, or rewarded. I live by faith lean on his presence, walk by patience, lift by prayer, and labor by Holy Spirit power. My face is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My road may be narrow, my way rough, my companions few, but my guide is reliable and my mission is clear. I will not be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice or hesitate in the presence of the adversary. I will not negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up. 
shut up or let up until I have stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, and preached up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. I must give until I drop, preach until all know, and work until he comes. And when he does come for his own, he'll have no problems recognizing me. My colors will be clear. You are loved, my friend. Go rise up. Thanks for joining us today. I hope that these words encouraged and challenged you and postured your heart for the rest of the week ahead. Feel free to share this episode with your friends, family, or on social media. And in the review section, let us know how we can be praying for you. Also, for more information on Proclaim and Lead Ministry, our Bible in 365, as well as the Falkirk Center, please click the links below. We're so grateful to have you join us right here every Wednesday on Midweek Rise Up.